Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Epitaph in Lead, written by Philip McCormack. Fate interfered with Luke's good intentions. After being released from prison, Luke Barkley intended to build a new life for himself, but fate interfered with his plans. He got drawn back to his old haunts when his family ran afoul of the shady owners of the C-Bar M. Luke managed to survive attempts to kill him and the members of his family, yet was once again slung in jail. After making a dramatic escape, he is forced to go on the run, with the forces of law and order intent on tracking him down. Ultimately, Luke joins forces with Whitefeather, an outlawed Indian, and the formidable duo wade through blood and bullets, leaving a gory trail of mayhem as they battle their numerous enemies. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Epitaph in Lead. Chapter 1 She rode her horse every day, because that's what she loved to do most in the world. Her uncle Luke taught her to ride. That was before he was sent to the penitentiary for murder. Lucy was named after her uncle, and she never minded, for he was her surrogate dad after her own father was killed. Lucy, treat your horse like he was your best pal. And he is. You can tell him secrets, and he'll never divulge them. You can trust him to be there when you call for him. Take care of his needs like feeding and grooming and shelter. Examine his hoofs and his tail, and his legs and his mouth, and tend anything that needs tending. One day, he'll save your life. Carry you home when you're drunk when a big storm blows in, or a pack of wolves come after you. Uncle Luke taught her how to ride and how to ride well. She bonded with her animals until she was almost part horse herself, and they, in turn, loved her. Lucy was a natural-born horsewoman, who instantly knew and appreciated a good animal. And they, sensing a kindred spirit, give her back all the affection and respect she accorded them. Today she was threading her way through a maze of arroyos, admiring the colors and the textures of nature. She carried her sketchbook, stopping and dismounting from time to time and committing the likeness of a tiny flower, a tall rock, or a particular outline of hills etched against the blue skies. There was always something of interest and Lucy was a keen observer. She watched a buzzard floating effortlessly on the wind current, and, as always, was entranced by the ease and grace with which they rode the skies. Then another and another appeared, their wide-spread wings cushioning them as the hot air flowed upwards from the sun-warmed rocks. She angled her horse towards the birds, for something was attracting them, and Lucy was curious to know what it was. As she drew near the center of their interest, she smelled the wood smoke, and her interest grew. This was a wild and uninhabited country, which was why Lucy loved it so much and frequently rode into its remoteness to find inspiration for her sketching. Now she smelt wood smoke, which could mean only one thing, and that was other humans. 
This puzzled Lucy, as there was nothing out here to attract anyone, only maybe another soul like herself, drawn to this remote and lonely wasteland. At sixteen, Lucy had a square, beautiful face and the lithe body of a horsewoman. So far, she had met no young men that interested her, though many of the young men in her neighborhood paid court and would have dearly liked to spend time in her company. Lucy had other ideas. She wanted to work for a news magazine and was already contributing sketches and accounts of local flora and fauna to magazines such as Wild America and Native American. Lucy also wanted to travel. There was a whole big wide world out there awaiting her, and she wanted to see it all. But first, she wanted to find out what was drawing the buzzards, and who was building fires out in this remote area of barren arroyos. Cautiously, she nudged her pony forward. Careful, Chestnut. We don't want to attract attention until we find out what is going on here. It was rough country she was traversing. Stunted oaks and pignon grew on hillocks and in gullies. Her mount had to pick its way with care through the uneven footing. Soon she could hear the noisy bellow of cattle. When Lucy believed she was close enough to the source of the fire, she dismounted. Stay here, Chestnut, she instructed the horse. Lucy did not need to hitch the animal. It was well-trained and would wait while she investigated whatever aspect of nature caught her attention, at times browsing for an hour or so while Lucy sketched or explored. With a skill she had developed over the years stalking wild animals, Lucy crept noiselessly forward. She came to a shallow gully and followed it until she reckoned she was close to the site of the fire. Cautiously, she raised her head above the foliage. A bunch of cattle were confined within a rope corral. Four men were working around the glowing fire. While one man held down a steer, another worked on it with a branding iron. The smell of singed hair and burned hide was strong in the afternoon sunshine. Lucy knew immediately what she was witnessing. She had stumbled upon a gang of rustlers, busy changing brands on stolen cattle. Lucy held her breath as she watched. The more she stared, the more puzzled she became. She recognized some of the men working at the fire. Quincy Monterey was the son of Charlie Monterey, the owner of one of the biggest ranches in Shorts County. There was a long, simmering feud between Lucy's family and the Monterey clan. The man her uncle was accused of murdering had been associated with the C-Bar M. She knew the rancher was a stern and unforgiving man. Perhaps her first deduction had been wrong. Surely Quincy wouldn't be involved in brand-changing or rustling. But doubts were surfacing. Lucy became more and more perplexed. In the end, she knew she had to find out what was going on. She had to get close to the cattle in order to examine the brands the men were altering. There were several reasons for altering brands. Steers bought legit were rebranded by the new owner, but if that were the case, why was it being carried out in such a remote place? Lucy scrutinized the vicinity, 
looking for a route that would take her closer to the herd without being seen. The nature of the terrain, with its many depressions and ridges, and covered with sagebrush and stunted oaks, gave ideal cover. Lucy set out on a roundabout course that would bring her close to the corralled cattle. She made slow but steady progress, circling around the fire. So engrossed were the men she thought it unlikely she would be detected. And so it was. A fallen tree made an ideal vantage point to view the cattle. Lucy peered across, trying to decipher the mark on the beast's waiting branding. After reading the brands, she sat down with her back to the camp, trying to make sense of what she had seen. Unnoticed by Lucy, Mill Buster, a scrawny youngster, walked into the undergrowth to attend a call of nature. While the youth relieved himself, he scrutinized his surroundings. Mill had a healthy fear of snakes, and no matter what activity he was engaged in, he kept a keen watch for the venomous beasts. It was then he caught sight of Lucy. Quickly he buttoned up and did some stalking of his own. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Epitaph in Lead. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.